16 year old. Oh. 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 I got coach calling. This is the Creative Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Lopez. This podcast is designed to help influence the influencers like you, the coach. I hope you enjoy listening to the stories and journeys of some amazing people. Here we go. Today's guest is Omar Mance. Coach Mance is a mentor, a servant leader. He's also served as an assistant coach and a head coach at the collegiate level. He currently serves as a co-founder and president of the Circle Legacy. We talk to him today about dealing with your feelings or they'll deal with you. We talk about servant leadership. We also talk about humility and resilience. Hope you enjoy this podcast and you look to get better every day. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be a part of it. Coach Mans, uh, I appreciate you coming on and taking some time to to spend with us and talk about your career, your experiences, and just who you are as a person. Uh, I know we've talked ahead of time and just a lot, you know, a lot of good things have been said about you. And so I want to dive into that because uh, it's not very often that, that this many people have said so many good things about you. And so I said, all right, let's go. Let's bring them on. See what this guy's about, and I and I know every time we do an episode, it's people with substance, and I don't ever think I've ever done a podcast where it was like, well, that was a waste of time. Uh, <laughs> I, I always know we're going to make the most of our time together. So, Coach, I'm gonna start off like I do every podcast in that. How were you introduced to the game of basketball? Yeah, great question, man. And again, I'm honored to be on here and, and be a part of this uh, great podcast. And so for me, it was it was definitely through my dad. You know, my dad was a legendary high school coach in Atlanta. Uh, his name was Eric Manson, coached at Martin Luther King High School in Atlanta and Lafonia High School. And so I was always around the game. You know, yeah. there's some games you see where I coach where my son's a ball boy just running around, but I was on the bend of the bench and at practices. And, you know, I got stories of, you know, waking up in the morning, you know, seeing a size 13 shoe downstairs when I was a kiddo. And it was a, a, one of my dad's players that he had to take in that had a terrible, you know, background or had uh, gone through some really hard stuff. And they just stayed with us for a couple of weeks or, or a month or so. And so wow. my dad just loved impacting young people uh, in the Atlanta area. And so I, I was introduced to it as a young age, five years old. And uh, it's been my life ever since. <laughs> Yeah, no, man, you're talking about your father, Eric Mance, who's, yeah, I mean, the the career, 547 career wins, I mean, 14 out of 20 seasons of having a winning season, I mean, that's a lot of success, two state runner-ups, four final fours, yeah, I'd say, I'd say that that whole idea of bringing in kids when they need somebody, father figure, mentor, uncle, whatever they need, he was. Uh, and he was successful as well. That's a that's a hard combination to to find. But if you look hard enough, you can find it. But that's great, man. I'm glad to hear that that was in your life. He was in your life for as long as you had him. And so that's great, man. Those influences are, are always there. So I'm imagining that he's the reason why you went into coaching. Is that, that pretty spot on there? 
A hundred percent, man. You, you, when you're a coach's kid, you, you can run away from coaching all your life. But mm-hmm. the impact, you know, I think coaches, when you know this about an impact, it, it changes the game. And my dad and mom, my mom was an educator for 35 years as well, special ed in the Atlanta area. Wow. So they're all about impacting young people. Uh, and, and this age demographic is something they love. And you can't run away from it as a coach's kid, a hundred percent. Yeah. So I like again on your social there's pictures with you with coach drew or both coach drews and and then i think to myself man these legacies that families can leave and there has to be some kind of calling to it do you feel like there was a calling on your life and your dad's life to lead young people young men into something that maybe they didn't understand but that you helped them to understand about life a hundred percent you know i think if you Look at scripture, Proverbs 16, 9, we have our plans. God directs our path. Like there's this journey and this path that you have in your life. And we can have all these crazy plans, these crazy ideas, but God kind of directs your path. And I know for my dad, uh, he passed away when I was at Vanderbilt as an assistant. And uh, there was hundreds and hundreds of former players. Some guys that even played for him, they were football guys. And they said, man, your dad got me out of jail when I got in trouble. Your dad called wow. a college coach. He got me a scholarship. And I'm thinking, this guy didn't even go to our high school. <laughs> wow. he, didn't even go to, he, he didn't even play for my dad. And so the impact uh, was a calling. It was, it was an assignment. And I, and I just said, once you know your why, like what is your why? For my dad, it was to impact young people. So my why is to influence and impact young people's lives through basketball, through sport. Uh, and, and if I can impact their life and their faith through basketball, I'll do it. And that's why I do it. And so to your point about a, a calling, uh, it's not only a calling, it's an assignment. And wow. I just think you have to figure out what is your why, what is your assignment, because when things go really, really hard and you wake up in the morning, you got to be smiling because you're living out your dream, you're living out your why, yeah. uh, and, and it changes from results-based to, to transformational-based, and you're looking to transform lives regardless of the yeah. results. Yeah, no, that's fantastic, Coach. I mean, you're saying a whole lot because uh, I think a lot of us, we we see ourselves as you know, the next whatever, because that's how we got into the profession is we thought, okay, I'm going to be the next Coach K, the next, uh, you know, John Chaney, the next Cal Perry, whatever the case may be. Yet at the end of the day, it's like, hey, hold on, this takes more meaning on when I involve people and people become the priority and people become the reason why I do what I do. Uh, Here again, the why. Uh, You know, your dad, having, having those experiences with, kids that didn't even go to school that's fantastic man i mean that's the kind of stuff that you know legends are made of because their their impact was so wide based it wasn't just exclusive to those four walls he worked in uh it was it was all outside of it too and i can't imagine the wealth of love and uh outpouring of love during that time of his passing that was poured out onto you and your family uh so coach i want to ask you that what was your experience like as a player, you know, your perspective of, of coaching and, and the game itself? Yeah, I was blessed to play for my dad and, and just have a great experience with him. And I just remember being a young kid playing on a highly uh, ranked team in high school and just having college coaches come and, and watch us play and, and, and recruit those guys to the SEC as a ninth grader. And so as wow. a player, I just knew there was a higher level you can get to. And so, uh, not only playing with guys at that level, but seeing college coaches come in your living room and your dad kind of talk about recruiting, it really gave me something to look forward to. So my experience was 
my mom and dad said, hey, we can't pay for school, so you either get an academic scholarship or a basketball scholarship. Uh-oh. You're going to college. And so I was, I never got to be in my life and I was valedictorian of my high school class and I was a player of the year in the state of Georgia and the, and the Metro Atlanta player of the year. Wow. Uh, and so I, I had options uh, as a player. And so that experience of competing at the highest level was something that was extremely phenomenal for me. And, and, and you know, blessed to play for the Atlanta Celtics AAU program as well, which featured some of the best players uh, in the country, Josh Smith, Dwight Howard, guys like that. Yeah, yeah. Get recruited at a high level and, and ended up tra- uh, signing with LSU out of high school and playing there. And, uh, you know, the funniest thing I tell is I played for Kermit Davis. He was insistent on that staff. John Brady was the head coach. Butch Pierre was an assistant. And Donnie Tenzel, guys who were been in the SEC for years. And it was a great experience starting as a freshman at LSU. Wow. And uh, playing there, being on top of the world. But what's super cool is that's kind of where I also grew in my faith at LSU and really wanted to, you know, not be a guy that just partying, hanging out, doing all the other stuff, living the life of a, of a great basketball player. I wanted to to grow closer to God and my faith. And so I ended up transferring to Rice and having a great career at Rice playing for a guy named Willis Wilson. I uh, met my roommate, a guy named Mike Wilkes. And so me and Mike mm. became great friends and had a great career. And I left Rice as one of the best players there. And uh, first, you know, winning season or 21 season and 40 years and started a legacy there. And Mike ended up going to the NBA for eight years and I had a great career. And it just led to so many great experiences from going to eight different countries as an ambassador, from a player and a coach, playing the Chinese national team and different things to to leading on the coaching. And so you just think about these experiences you have as a player, the highs and the lows of being highly recruited, uh, being a starter in the SEC as a freshman to going on and, and traveling around the world and, and now paying it forward as a coach to your players so they can have great experience too. So. Had some pretty cool experiences as a player. Sounds like it, Coach. Sounds like you had what every young person dreams of when they think about that college experience. And, uh, you know, I think God's hand was over your life because it was like, wow, who would have thought that, you know, a kid could be the valedictorian, get out there, hoop, hoop hard, experience all these things, and then say, hey, you know what? I'm going to coach too. Now I'm going to, now I'm going to lead other people. Like normally people that have that progression usually stay on a path where it's about them. And there's nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I, I yeah. get it. I get it. But double down on everything, your talent, your charisma, who you think you are, how hot you think you are, how much everybody gasses you up, like double down on that. Cool. But <laughs> no, I want to go help people. And that's, that's just a magnificent coach. So, you know, you running that down, man, that's heavy stuff. Now, I want to ask you about coaching for the first time. Like, can you recall a memorable moment where it was like, okay, I'm not a player anymore, I'm a coach, and this is real. Uh, do you have anything like that? Yeah, you know, I, I think the biggest is when you come back from a player to coach, my first coaching job was at Rice University. Willis Wilson gave me a chance to come back and uh, help the team. I was a young guy to finish playing it. Uh, I, w- I was excited to help the guys. And first practice, I'm, I'm ready to go out there. I got my my hooping shoes on, and I'm jumping in drills. You know, I'm trying to I'm trying to, I'm trying to coach them up. When guys aren't making moves or making shots, I'm making. I'm 
I'm telling them, that's easy, man. You got to make that. And I remember Coach Wilson, you know, a mentor of mine, my coach, who's an uh, African-American guy from D.C., one of the first, the first black head coach at Rice uh, history, uh, any sport. And uh, he played at Rice, too. He said, Omar, man, I love you. You're one of the greatest leaders I had, but this is why coaching's hard. They can't do what you can do, bro. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just this aha moment that you have to teach them. You have to tell yeah. them. You have to show them. Yeah. And uh, it, it was a cool thing because I had to t- take a step back. And one of the guys on that team was a guy named Morris Allman, who ended up being a first-round draft pick wow. uh, for the Utah Jazz from yeah. Rice. And he was a good friend, and they were close to my age. And he said, well, let's play one-on-one after practice, Coach, but I appreciate <laughs> you helping me out. And, and so I just – that was the aha moment from yeah. going, you know, as a first-time coach, you can't – it's not about going out there and showing them. You got you to gotta teach them. You got to yeah. walk through it with them. And uh, that, that's the challenge, I would say. Well, I think that's one of the hardest things for, for really good players – to make that transition is to, to hold back from mm-hmm. saying, well, when I played, we did this mm-hmm. and kids, mm-hmm. kids look at you like, yeah. And you know, dinosaurs roam the land too, when you played. So I don't want to hear about that. And I think, and I, and I think that's kind of the, yeah, that aha moment, like you talked about where it's like, Hey, this is about leading and teaching, not, Hey, do what I do, do what I did. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, you had your time coach. It's not your time anymore. And, I, and <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that 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 was sobering. I'm sure that was great because yeah, you 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 were set on another path at that point, and that's great because that's growth. Now, leadership, right? Because uh, I'm sure leadership is within your wheelhouse, and it's a big deal for you. What when you think about the style of leadership, if you have any style of leadership, what, what would it be? Yeah, that's an easy one. That's that's serving. You know, they're serving leadership. You know, you cannot lead unless you learn how to serve. You think about the model of of, of Jesus. He, he, I, he said, I came to serve and not be served. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I spent time at West Point with a guy named Zach Spiker, who's the head coach of Drexel now. And we were part of that first staff at, at Army. And when you go to Army, you see all these five-star generals, you know, presidents, everyone who's been, Coach K was there, Bobby Knight was there, some of the greatest leaders in the history of of, of, the, of America, just some of these great leaders through time, and they all say it starts with servant leadership. You have to serve in order to lead. Wow. You have to sacrifice yourself. Um, you cannot lead without serving. And so, you know, Jesus is washing the disciples' feet, like he's serving them. You know, yeah, think about yeah. Gandhi, think about uh, you know, all these people throughout years that have served others. And so to me, leadership style is about serving. And, and, and I would say this, uh, once you get to the servant leadership piece, then you got to decide, do you want to be a transactional leader or a transformation? Transactional leader is a leader who wants to get something from you. Yeah. So, hey, I need you to, I need you to run hard. So you're going to run, you know, line drills or suicides. I want you to do this, do that. Um, uh, a transformational leader is someone who says, I don't care about the result. I want to transform your life. And those are the coaches where players run through a brick wall. You heard that saying, man, that we love our coach so much. We'll run through a brick wall for him. You know, yeah. those coaches have transformed them. And so you're doing it because you love the kid. You're doing it because you care about the kid. And so you're leading, you're serving them. You're doing it uh, to transform, not to get something from them. Yeah. And that like a transaction at a, at a store. So, I would say it starts with serving leadership, that style, serving uh, those who are with you, serving, and then obviously 
being transformational as you lead. That's great, Coach, because, yeah, I mean, there's a time and a place for transactions to take place, right? So we get that, yeah. too, because I know some coaches are like, well, you know, I need to get something back from the kid, from the player, from the coach, from the whoever, right? But yeah. I think yeah. uh, players don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. And yeah. part, of, part of that caring process is the transformational part because that's what's lacking. I think we see some teams, and I'm just going to get really real about it, there's some teams that have a lot of talent and they fall short every once in a while or maybe even every year. And people are wondering, man, they got a lot of talent. I just don't know if they have that transformational component. Uh, I don't know Correct. if it's just, hey, you're here, you want to make it to the league, let's go. It's up to you, which there's here again – there's a time and a place for all that, for sure, to be sure. People's jobs are on the line, money's on the line, you know, all these things. So, yeah, I get that. However, uh, people don't like to be mistreated or used as a means to an end. And so that's where, I, right. where that transformational component is just really strong. And I wouldn't coach any other way myself, so or lead, rather, any other way myself, whether it's at home or on the court or at work or wherever. So that's great stuff, Coach. I appreciate you laying that out. Now, components to build culture, like culture is such a, a fancy, snappy, <laughs> trendy word. And, 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 and you could you could tag along environment, right, your, your team environment, the ecosystem you create. How What components would you use, just three or four or five bullet points of what you would use to build the culture you desire? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question, and, and I think you have to be around great leaders to really unpack that, right? I've, mm-hmm. I've been really blessed to work with some great guys. Richie McKay, who wow. is one of the best at Liberty University, he's a mentor. I've worked with him at Liberty for three years. He worked under Tony Bennett and at UVA, national championship coach, who worked under his dad, Dick Bennett, you yeah. know, legendary yeah. coach. And so you think about this is passed down, and and so they always talk about the pillars that the Bennett family has, Tony Bennett, Dick Bennett. When we got to Liberty, we talk about the pillars that Coach McKay had. So to me, you have to have pillars. And the pillars that, that you, know, you take your staff and you really live by, they have to be real to you. And so a couple key components is who are you really? So don't do it for the team. Don't do it for the university. Don't have a catchy phrase to say, oh, this will work well for this school. This is who you live by, who you stand by. So the, the four pillars that, that I live by is, you know, going hard, going, you know, it's the verse whatever you do, do it for God and not for others. Do it with all your heart. And so playing hard, playing smart, playing together, and then playing with a purpose, like there's something behind it. So if you think about it, everything in your life can go back to those four pillars. Wow. And so I would say if you want to build a culture, you got to have pillars that you live by, not, not pillars for your team, pillars for your personal life. And so. Wow. If I'm going to work and do something, I'm going to do it with all my heart. I'm going to go hard. You know, the quote from Martin Luther King, if you're a trash man or garbage man, yeah. be the best garbage man in, in, yeah. you know, in the world. Uh, and so you got to go hard and then being smart. You got to be smart. You know, you can't make uh, wild emotional decisions. You got to make decisions that are, are based with wisdom and, and gratitude. You can't just go out and just go willy-nilly in life, uh, you know, because you'll make bad decisions. And then obviously together. If you want to go really far, there's a great African proverb. You'll love this. If you want to go really fast, go alone. If you want to go really far, go together. Wow. 
And the premise is, it's easy to go the fast route. Just go do your own thing. Go fast. Don't have anybody to help you along the way. And it's all about you. You go fast, but you won't go far. You got to have a lot of people around you to surround you in your life that's going to help you go far. That's doing yeah. it together. Uh, so having pillars, those pillars have to be who you really are outside of coaching, and hold it to everything that you, your staff, and your and your players do. Awesome. Shout out to Richie McKay. I'm a I'm a Liberty alum myself. So shout nice. out to Coach. Yeah, shout out to Coach McKay, man. He does us right. Like, yeah, I'm, pr- I'm very proud of them because people are like, hey, didn't you go to that school? I'm like, yeah. yeah. It's because I went there. That's why they're so good. Like, <laughs> I wasn't even on the team or anything. But, yeah, no, here again, I love your first bit of advice for anybody listening. Like, you have to learn from really good people, really good leaders. Because yeah. my dad always taught me you can learn from people who know what to do or what they don't, mm-hmm. they don't know what they're doing. You can learn from both of them. However, it's always advantageous to find that person who knows what they're doing and is a strong leader and actually lives out what they're talking about. And so, yeah, that's where those pillars come in really strong. And so, Coach, yeah, I appreciate that because that's, here again, these are things that as I'm sitting here, I'm taking notes and I'm like, okay, 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 I'm learning. And as as lifelong learners as we all should be, uh, we can step onto a basketball court of any kind, any level, and think to ourselves, okay, I'm here to teach. However, what am I going to learn from this too? Yeah. What's what's what? Who's watching me? Who's paying attention to me? Are they really looking for me, my leadership, or they're just looking for my exampleship? And so, things to really, really things to really ponder and think about. So, I appreciate that, Coach. Now, the game, the coaching profession has a way of humbling us, right? But, it, you know, we yeah. talk, we talk, we're talking a lot about the word, and the word tells us to humble ourselves, right? It's kind mm-hmm. of like what we should be doing. So I would say, Coach, how's the game humbled you or taught you how to humble yourself? Yeah, when I first got into coaching a long time ago, um, a lot of these mentors we talk about, they said, well, Omar, just so you know, if you hadn't gotten fired yet in coaching, you hadn't coached long enough. <laughs> and, and they say, you know, either be humbled or you will be humble. Yeah. And so, like, you, you have a opportunity to walk with humility or just understand this game will humble you. And so that first job I mentioned at Rice, uh, Coach Wilson, Willis Wilson, all-time winners coach, he got let go. Brent Scott, who's a coach assistant at VCU, an alum of Rice, was on the staff. He got let go. Artie Culver, who's with the Bucks organization, one of my best friends. He was a former player on the staff. He got let go. And that's four alums to get take off the staff wow. uh, for the alma mater. And so you, that is the biggest humble pie I had as my first coaching job. And, and this, this is something that stuck with me for years. Uh, what failures and uh, being humble does it, it teaches it, it teaches you obviously uh, it, it humbles you but what it really does uh, it teaches you how to be resilient because yeah. when you get down and you get humbled uh, you have to take small victories you have to take the little things and, and so uh, every time that's happened in my career something's great happened on the other end uh, got let go at Rice Ended up spending time meeting this girl. She became my wife. I wouldn't have that time if I had the job because I'd be recruiting a kid. You know, I'd be out on the road recruiting. The other time we got let go and Coach McKay got the Liberty job and said, hey, I'm coming to Liberty. Let's go. I was able to work with my mentor, Richie. And so I just think uh, when you get humbled, you have an opportunity 
to be resilient. When you have success, this is the other end of humility. When you have a ton of success, the only way you can fight being too cocky, too big head, is you got to remember the, these moments of failure. You have to remember when you got humble. That'll teach you to stay humble in the moment. Yeah. So there's a part of humility of being humbled and then, all right, pick yourself up, be resilient. Then there's a part of having a ton of success and doing all these great things and not forgetting about these failures and it keeps you humble. So you should always be working with humility and resilience, humility and resilience. Wow. Uh, that, that to me is a, a huge key. Humility and resilience. I'm writing that down as we speak. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, I got doing this podcast coach, I could write a book on just notes and notes of these, these interviews because people like yourself, you know, dropping these gems, uh, I think everybody, it's to everybody's advantage to hear these things, write them down, don't forget them, put them somewhere yeah. for when you need them because you're going to need it. And because uh, yeah. like you said, that coach that coach told you, hey, if you haven't been fired at, you haven't been coaching in that long, it's the truth yeah, at, at, at all levels, unfortunately, <laughs> even for some middle yeah. school people. I mean, it's, just, it's just the name of the game. Like change is good sometimes. Sometimes it isn't. But in other yeah. people's minds, it's like, no, nah, it's time for a change, and you got to go. And so it's yeah. just the way it is. Uh, love it or hate it, which I don't think anybody loves it, uh, but it's just the way it is. Now, I would ask you about feedback because any true leader, in my mind, is desiring feedback because then you want to know how am I doing what I'm doing. Uh, not necessarily to compare yourself to anybody because comparison is a thief of all joy. However, I would say feedback helps us to get on the right track where we may be going wrong. So how's import, how important is, uh, is feedback in helping you become a better teacher, leader, and mentor? Yes, it's, it's maybe the most critical uh, thing you need uh, to grow and to lead and to coach. And, and I would say even be successful in, in life, on the court, at work. You, you need to be able to uh, take great feedback, positive feedback in. Uh, constructive criticism is what they would say. But I, I'll, I'll sum it up in this quote, and you, you'll understand where it's coming from. Is a guy named John Falwell. He does tours in Israel, Athletes and Acts, Athletes and Acts, great organization, sports ministry, and uh, the international director, Eric Nelson, is a mentor of mine. And, and, this, and on these Israel tours, they're walking through Israel, and they're just talking, you have to live your life with a rabbi, mm. and you cannot die without making a mentee or a disciple. So you need to live your life with a rabbi or a older person or a wiser person in your life who's pouring into you constantly, who's wow. willing to tell you the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah. And then you can't die without making a mentee, without making someone younger than you, mentoring somebody, uh, carrying it along as we as we like to call it in the coaching profession, you know, passing the torch or, or doing your due diligence, you cannot. And so if you have that person or people, and I have about three or four, uh, and I, I mentioned a few of them on this pod, and you mentioned Bryce Drew being another, if you don't have rabbis in your life to hold you accountable, give you feedback, give you wisdom, constantly telling you what to do, uh, then you won't take feedback. You won't appreciate the feedback. And you won't have people in your life to tell you no. And so you have to have rabbis, have to have rabbis, throughout your entire life. Wow. Uh, this would allow you to, to take the feedback on a regular basis, weekly, monthly, daily basis, uh, and then paying it forward 
as we say, you have to be mentoring someone else. Yeah. Because what you're going to learn, which is what I learned, you learn from your players. You learn from young guys. I learned from young coaches that are just in the game. They're teaching me about, you know, the impact of social media, media, their mental. So the feedback you're getting from down up is just as important as the feedback you get from top down. Wow. And just constantly having that, that, that uh, in your life at all times. Yeah, because it comes from, you know, I always look at it this way. I, I want to know because I've been been down before or I've been at a humble beginning. And so I cared a lot by what was coming from up top to get there. So then I reach a certain level and I can't forget about where I came from and what's coming from there still. So to get that, like you're talking about that overall feedback, super important because it gives you the pulse of whatever you're doing. And to have that pulse is so important because then it shows that you care. And you know, here again, like you talked about your why, it's all encompassing with that. So it's a, yeah, great stuff, man. Really, really, really yeah. good stuff. Because, yeah, the game, I love basketball. I mean, I don't, I mean, the game, I love teaching it. I love everything about it. It's such an imperfect game. That's what I love about yeah. it mostly. Because, uh, you know, like we watched March Madness and we're seeing teams that, shouldn't shouldn't be beating some of these other teams beating them and why because it's an imperfect game and imperfect people are playing it and imperfect people are coaching it yet we're having mm-hmm. the time of our life watching it playing it coaching it. i mean it's just such a great microcosm of life and teacher of life so yeah i, I really appreciate the things you're laying out for us coach uh for feedback all that uh just yeah, so so absolutely. good man now mental health we don't i don't think in the space, we talk about it a whole lot. We talk about it more, to be sure. And we talk about it in the space of student-athletes and, and their mental health, which is, is is paramount because without the student-athletes, we don't, really don't have a game to, to watch, right? I mean, we learned that with COVID. Like, kids can't play? Okay, who's yep. who are we coaching? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yep. we just got, we got titles and we're looking at each other like, yeah, I know all this, I know all that, but who cares because there's nobody to play. And so I would ask you, Coach, how important is the mental health for yourself, a team, and a staff? Because I, I believe coaches need to put more emphasis on their own personal uh, mental health. Yeah, it's, it's very important, and, and it's, it's probably the number one uh, thing today in, in sports, you know, college, professional, high school. You know, COVID exposed some things, right? Just yeah. uh, being being isolated and, and then coming out of there, there was a lot of things that were bottled up. For me personally, it, it was one of the uh, transformative times in my life, just realizing, you know, I needed space, space, you know, to talk to my wife, space to talk to other guys in the profession and, and be vulnerable, uh, just be able to deal with things, space to, you know, more in loss, you know, when you lose the loss of a loved one. And a lot of people lost loved ones during COVID. And so if you don't create the space, right, then you just bottle it up. I've said this before. If you don't deal with your feelings, uh, they'll eventually deal with you, wow. right? You got to deal with it. You know, it's the, you can't, you know, tuck the boogeyman under the bed at night. At some point, it's going to come out. Yeah. At some point, you got to go in that closet, open the door and deal with it head on and, yeah. And realize it's just a feeling, right? And so to me, it is the number one issue coming out of it. So for me personally, I've done things as a 
you know, a young black man from, you know, inner city Atlanta would never do, you know, from, you know, going to a Christian counselor, uh, you know, marriage counseling to, to some retreats, uh, to, to having some prayer calls, to having Zoom calls with guys across the country just to be vulnerable. Uh, that That's on a personal level that most coaches would never dare talk about, uh, be vulnerable with. Uh, you know, you can have the, the greatest marriage ever. Talking to someone to help navigate that space is, is probably even more important for the best marriages because you can deal with things before they, they hit ahead and, and are, are things that you may not. So for me as a coach, having the home life and the personal space uh, taken care of was so important coming out of COVID. And then now you fast forward to your staff and to your players. And so what we've done that is something I would have never done as a player or com- coming in is making sure that the, the counselors on campus they not only speak to our team, they get their cell phone numbers. We walk them down to the counseling center. Uh, yeah. We give them the app uh, to say, hey, there, there is no, there is nothing more important than your mental. Uh, and we'll stop anything. I just remembered after COVID kicking guys out of practice and, and, and telling them that, and calling their parents, hey, they're coming home. I don't care what you say. Mm-hmm. There's no debate. They can miss practice. They can miss a game, but they, they just need some time. They just need some time to process. They need some time for themselves. They need their mental is way more important than their physical right now. Yeah. Uh, Cause you think about it, we lift weights for our physical being. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's to me, it's always mind, body and spirit. You can't put a hundred percent into your, into your physical, but not really do anything on your spiritual and not yeah. do anything on your mental. Yeah. And so it's just mental. It's mental with lifting weights. It's dealing with mental health. Is You have to create the space. And I needed to create it for myself personally. And then uh, for everyone around me, it was, it's become one of the most important things I think in culture. Yeah, no, I, I would, I would put that at, at the number one and then probably number two would be health. And yeah. Uh, yeah. because I know man, road games, uh, late nights, not getting enough sleep, something as important as that, it can become yeah. an unhealthy situation. And so, yeah, I, I love what you're saying, coach, because, yeah, Craig, deal with deal with your feelings until or they're, they're, they'll deal with you. I mean, it was a great saying I picked up, and it was uh, get serious before things get serious. And, and I think those type of ideas about how we're going to lead, how we're going to live our lives, how we're going to shape our future, uh, not just for ourselves, but for the people that we're going to be working with and for, Uh just comes down to taking a really thoughtful and intentional approach to self uh, care here again, spiritual, uh, physical, emotional, all those things, because those things matter. And as, as coaches in a profession that sometimes is, is unforgiving, we need to give ourselves a shot because not everybody's looking to give us a shot. Everybody's trying to take a shot. Sometimes when you're in the competitive space, so you got to give yourself a shot, man. Get you give yourself Absolutely. a chance to, to to really seek longevity, play the long game in life. And so, yeah, no, great stuff, man. It, it just brings so much to mind because I'm a psychology guy and I go deep with that stuff. And and I just I've seen it over the years, just like your dad. You know, looking at young men saying, "There's more to this game than just the ball. There's more to this game than just recruitment." There's more to this game than just, you know, wins. It's like 
too many pe- people are people. And until we figure out that they're the only reason why we get to do what we do, then we're, we're going to be lost. I don't care how, I don't yeah. care how many wins you get, how many conference championships, <laughs> how many jobs yeah. you get to level up at. That don't matter. Because at the end yeah. of the day, those those players are gonna are gonna speak volumes about who you really were, or who you are. Yeah. So yeah, I I completely just you know I can engulf myself in that topic all day, but yeah. I won't. And but I appreciate you doing so, Coach. <laughs> now, the basketball community overall, like I said, heard a lot of have heard a lot of great things about you and your group, the Circle Legacy. Uh, how impactful do you think you've been? to the basketball community with that in particular and just in general? Yeah. I mean, again, it goes back to what we talked about before, just serving, you know, serving your brothers and, and being there for your brothers. And, you know, I, I, during COVID talking about the mental space, we, I just felt this, this need to, to connect all of our guys and check on how they're doing. And we got on a zoom call and I uh, started with a few of our rice guys with coach Wilson, about 10 guys and, then we started doing some one-offs of guys I really care about and uh, across the landscape of, of college and NBA basketball. Uh, the call got to about 40 guys once a week, every week for two straight years. And we're just calling and checking up on each other. We're just uh, celebrating the victories and, and, and praying for and, and, you know, being remorseful for a lot of losses. And, uh, mm. Uh, these are guys that are in the front office in the NBA to coach in the NBA to power five head coaches to power five assistants to a high school coach, you know. And and what was super important to me uh, was that I just was glad to just be there and learn. Uh, but the guys put a charge on me and they said, hey, Omar, you, you got to make sure we keep this going. Like, you got to do it. And uh, it goes back to my dad. Uh, I, I use this word. When my dad passed, I felt I had a responsibility to continue his legacy mm. and uh, the two words that go encompass with the circle legacy uh, is a group of a circle of leaders uh, that are passing on their gifts to each other wow. uh, devoted to prayer and, and accountability. And so leadership and legacy go hand in hand. Yeah. And so leadership is what you're doing right now. And so to me, you know, I, I don't think I had a, a, a impact on the basketball community. I think the basketball community had a huge impact on me. Wow. And the tentacles have gone uh, super far. So to me, I'm just the I'm just the unifier. I'm just the guy that brings people together. And uh, once you sit in the room with great, you know, godly leaders and the highest level of of, of our profession, something great is going to come in the room. You just put them in the room and see what happens. Yeah, and so we started that in twenty, uh, right in the middle of the pandemic, twenty twenty. Uh, it is twenty twenty three now, so three straight years of it. It formalized it in twenty one, and uh, we've we've committed to meeting and having a, a pretty special uh, event at the NBA Summer League every year, and it's expanded uh, from that group of thirty guys, thirty to forty, to five other groups of about the same number. So we're over one hundred fifty wow. coaches in. Small about small college to women's basketball to to NBA to beyond and so it's uh, I would say the impact has been on me. Yeah. <laughs> others may say I've been impacted it, but the Circle Legacy is something that's been uh, super super exciting. That Willis Wilson, my coach at Rice, helped me found it and uh, made formalize it as a five hundred C five hundred one C three nonprofit organization. And what 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 God has done with it is nothing short of amazing. 
I just think that impact was bigger than I thought of just checking in. We talked about it, creating a space for uh, for for each other to, to grow and to help each other and being there for each other. And that's what it, that's what it was meant to do. And it's and it's it's exploding. It's, it's pretty exciting. That's fantastic, Coach. Yeah, no, something that has uh, the right intentions behind it, God's favor, uh, and anything. The sky's the limit. Like I hear people say it all the time, sky's the limit. Yeah, but, you know, if it's just you, it's like the proverb you talked about. You know, you want to go fast, go alone. You want to go far, you know, go with others. Like, yeah, same, same, <laughs> same mentality, man. And I think that's Absolutely. that's exactly what you guys are pursuing with that group. It sounds like you're just going to continue to grow. It sounds awesome, man. Like that's, those are the things that uh, communities like that are what men need, and, and women, I believe too. There's just, there's just something about being around like-minded people that makes you feel I'm not alone. And so it kind of leads me to my next question, Coach. Uh, how important is your support system, uh, like you know, with your wife, your family? Uh, your your friends, other coaches. What, what, how important is that to you? Yes, it's everything. I think um, my wife's been great. When you're a coach, you're you're moving across the country. You're in different places. I think we you know, lived in about you know five places in five years for my son at one point. And uh, you know your support system is everything. So your wife has to be all in on it. Yeah, she has to trust you on that. And so my wife Beck is amazing. Our son Zion is. Is growing and, and, and understanding the impact is greater than, than the location. So our location could change, but our impact would stay the same. And so that support system is, is massive. And then we talked about living with a rabbi and having a mentee. You know, those those mentors in my life are, are like father figures. You know, Willis Wilson to Richie McKay, Scott uh, Bryce Drew. Uh, these guys are great. You know, LaVal Jordan, Earl Grant are guys that are a part of the circle. Uh, you get that circle, like the circle legacy. You're surrounded. That's the whole point. You're literally at any moment in your life in the middle of the circle going through it. And you have to be surrounded by people who you trust and love. And, and that's kind of the motto of, of the circle legacy is that your support system, your family, your wife, your loved ones, uh, they are always there for you. And uh, they're surrounding you. Literally, you're in the middle of the circle. Wow. Uh, at any given time in your career. So that, that support system is really important to me for sure. Yeah, and I think we're leaning on them more than they even realize sometimes because we, <laughs> yeah. we hold ourselves in high regard at times because we're having some success or the different positions and titles that we achieve and obtain or are handed sometimes because people got to be real. Some guys are handed jobs they really didn't deserve but either favor of a person of a, a booster, the relationship they made, and they fall back and say, "Wow, I don't even know what the heck I'm doing. Like, I wasn't even ready for this." There, I mean, that's a, that's yeah. a side of coaching in a job that people don't talk about. It's kind of yeah. you know uh, taboo, right? But it it exists, and so whether you're the person who's grinding to get to the top or to get to where you want to get or the person who has handed everything and is trying to figure out, now what do I do? I didn't expect this, the support system that you can have or that you need to rely on has to be solid. Because if not, yeah. you'll, 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 you'll run away from, uh, I guess, the accountability part. 
you'll run away from something that could be the greatest thing to ever happen to you in the relationships. Uh, like you were talking about earlier, about, you know, you got some time carved out to meet your wife. You just don't know what could happen. And so you yeah. have to really rely on, on people because that's, that's why we were all created to help each other, yeah. not to rely on any, I don't want, you know, I don't want to get too deep with it, but you know, we all need each other. There's just this yeah. huge, huge idea that, you know, us four are no more. Like, nah, we need each other. Yeah. We're more connected than we can even realize. So here again, Coach, yeah, it, right. just good stuff, man. Really good stuff now about yourself and the things that you've learned about yourself because your career has gone this way, that way, and this other way, right? And the, yeah. the your, your playing career, your, your leadership, uh, groups and collectives that you're a part of what have you learned about yourself throughout your career yeah that's 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 really good uh, you know i think you have to be introspective at all times if not then you'll have a facade of who you think you are and so i've been wow. able to do that in this space of, of always looking up that you can change you know kind of the location you can change the title you can change uh, what you do, but who should never change, right? So for me, what I found is who I am, you know, which I love to serve, I love to connect, I love to give back, you know, and so the the what is irrelevant. So if it's at a Division two head coach or if it's at a SEC Vanderbilt, you know, the what is irrelevant as long as I can do who I am and then who you surround yourself with. That's the biggest thing I've learned is I got to do life with people who I love and trust. Yeah, and so that's something throughout my coaching career. Who is way greater than the what? So for me, who I am, you know, who I'm able to, who God has called me to be, and you know, my why, the who. If I can be who I am called to be, then I'm the what is irrelevant. Wow. And then who you surround yourself, you know, who will you work with, who you want to be aligned with, you know, who you do life with is way more important than what you do. Uh, and that's the biggest thing I would say. I've I've kind of learned about myself through this journey. And when you do it that way, you do some amazing things and do life with some amazing people. What you do is all over the map. <laughs> like I said, from the SEC to Conference USA to Patriot League to Division Two to CEO, you know, of a company and co-founder of a couple companies. Like the what becomes fun. The who is is what the value comes from. Yeah. Again, man. People. People. Yeah. The why. The interconnectivity. Uh, the bringing people together, like you said, uh, you're a connector of people. Uh, that that just that builds beyond anybody's imagination of what you can build uh, if you're just focused on you and your experiences and kind of boohoo over certain things and not look at the not look at the forest for the trees. And you, you just, I don't know, you learn from everything, the good times, the bad times. Yeah. Uh, and I think we learn more in the bad times and uh, yeah. from failure. I mean, we you can go off and run off, you know, a thousand games, but the ones that are going to burn the most and be etched in your minds are the ones you didn't win. Yeah. And uh, that's where you learn something, hopefully. And that's hopefully, that's hopefully where we're learning to make things <laughs> right. Because that's our lives, too. Man, yeah. like we like if, yeah. if you're married, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna know your mistakes easily. You don't even worry about that. You're gonna you'll you'll be reminded, 
in a loving way, hopefully. Uh, but you're going to be reminded. Somebody's going to be there to tell you the truth. And like you said, surround yourself with the right people, truth tellers, not yes men. Uh, mm. Because yes men yeah. will get you in a lot of trouble. Because when yeah. you get in trouble, there ain't going to be nowhere to be found, quite honestly. <laughs> so, you know, you talked about your why and what you do, what you do. And so for my last question, Coach, uh, because you talked about the circle legacy and kind of what that's about, you know, leaders focused on legacy, leadership, and prayer. Uh, I want to ask you, Coach, because you still have a ways to go. You're not done yet, Coach, and I understand that. But when it's all said and done, when your career is done, what would you want to be said of you? Yeah, uh, I mean, well done, been a faithful servant. You know, well done. You know, and I think that last word is the key, servant. You know, I would love for people to say, man, Omar served and love well, and, uh, you know, he did a great job. You know, well done. You know, that's kind of the, the, the acknowledgement in your life. It's been a faithful servant. And so in order to be called a servant when you're done, uh, you must you have to serve a lot of people and serve others. So hopefully through all the things I've done and coaching and all these things we talked about, you know, people feel that they were served, uh, that I served them well and, you know, had, to, had a model of the mind of Christ, right, that we – take on his life that his life we live now is not ours anymore you know we kind of live that that mantra and so that's that's to ultimately serve and so hopefully that's what they'll say when i'm done and and i know that's the legacy my dad left he served so many young men changed their lives and, and so i have that same responsibility to to finish what he started and, and pass it on to my son too so. coach i really appreciate your time man i really do i appreciate you coming on and just, you know, dropping gems, like I said. Very important in these times where there's so much volatility, like everywhere. It just seems like, yeah, we're, we're, we're in this microcosm of sports and athletics, and it's fun. But if we peel, unwrap the other onions that are going on in this world right now, it's pretty crazy. And uh, I just think the world needs more of what you're talking about. The world needs more uh, of just people stepping up to the plate and serving uh, instead of just looking to be served. That's, uh, that's easy. My kids do that. You know, they did that when they were babies. They just waited to be served. Uh, but, you know, I think stepping up to the plate and serving, like I said, serving leadership is so key. So I, I've learned a lot, Coach, and I appreciate you for coming on and, and kind of, you know, working with us and getting to the bottom of some things, hopefully for the listeners as well. So coach here again, thank you for your time. Thank you. It was an honor. And thank you for creating these spaces. This is much needed and appreciated. Thank you so much. No, thank you.